A new year brings about new resolutions. In fact, the idea of making New Year's resolutions goes back about 3,000 years ago to ancient Babylon. A resolution involves making firm decisions to commit to do or not to do something. A recent poll revealed the top 10 things people resolve to do each New Year. They are number one, exercise more, two, lose weight, three, get organized, four, learn a new skill or hobby, five, live life to the fullest, six, save more money or spend less money, seven, quit smoking, eight, spend more time with family and friends, nine, travel more, and ten, read more. Now, while the Bible does not specifically speak to New Year's resolutions, there are a number of scriptures that challenge us to make commitments to certain behaviors. Psalm 22, verse 8, commit yourself to the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Proverbs 16, 3, commit your works to the Lord. Making a resolution, therefore, is an act of the will to commit oneself to a certain course of action. And in Psalm 101, we find the psalmist David, as the superscription tells us, this is a psalm of David, we find David resolving two things, to live a blameless life and to surround himself with purity. And I believe they, there are two good resolutions for believers as we begin a new year, or any time of the year for that matter. First, we're going to see that a, we need to make a resolution to live a blameless life. And then secondly, we're going to see that we're going to make we need to make a resolution to surround ourselves with purity. So let's begin in Psalm 101 and look at verses 1 and 2 and consider the resolution to live a blameless life. David begins by saying in verse 1, I will sing of loving kindness and justice to you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. In verse 1, David announces his intention. I will sing of loving kindness, that's mercy or covenant love, and justice. And therefore what follows is being sung rather than spoken. Now the covenant themes of mercy and justice provide the foundation for the resolutions that follow. This covenant love, this mercy, this loving kindness and justice provide the foundation. That is, they determine David's response to the wickedness around him and to the faithful. And since mercy or loving kindness and justice come from God, David immediately adds, To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. See, God is worshipped because he is the source and standard of all righteousness. And he has gifted us with mercy and justice. And so having announced his theme and having praised God, David resolves to be morally obedient to the Lord. He promises, I will give heed to the blameless way. Now that verb give heed there in verse 2 can also mean to consider or to teach. Thus as the king acts in a blameless way, he also teaches the people the blameless way. And David says he's going to walk here with moral integrity. 
You see, you and I need to be doing the same thing, and that is resolving to be obedient or to live a blameless life. And it's our commitment and follow-through to live that obedient or blameless life that others are going to see and learn to do the same. It's not simply enough for us to tell other people that they need to be obedient or blameless, but rather it's our responsibility to live in such a way. And then by them seeing that, they too will learn how to be obedient or how to live in a blameless way. Next, David turns to prayer. When will you come to me? As he comes to God, he asks God to come to him. See, moral perfection does not guarantee God's presence. Based upon his resolve to be blameless, David invites the Lord to come. The prayer suggests, in other words, that apart from God's presence, David will never live a blameless life. If you think that living a blameless life is going to mean that God's presence is going to be with you, you've got it backwards. The only way that you can live the blameless life is for God's presence to be with you in the first place. And therefore, it behooves us to make sure, first and foremost, that we're children of God. You can go through life trying to be as morally upright as possible, and if you don't have God, you are going to fail. All of your righteousness is going to be nothing more than filthy rags. David says, I don't want to live apart from God's presence. And as long as God's presence is with me, I will always live a blameless life. It's as he prayed in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. See, because you and I have the Holy Spirit, we can live that blameless life. After this brief invocation, David reinforces, reinforces his resolve to behave in a blameless way. He says, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. And here David's example is set in his house. That's the circle of his family. Namely those who are closest to him. And my friends, that's exactly where accountability begins. You know, it's not enough to say, well, hey, I'll, I'll live blamelessly at work, and I'll live blamelessly at school, and I'll live blamelessly in public. You need to live blamelessly in your own home as well. You need to be blameless. You need to be accountable within your family circle. Because first and foremost, there's the people who need to see your holy life. They're the ones, first and foremost, that need to see what the blameless way looks like. And notice here, he talks about the integrity of his heart. See, the integrity of one's heart determines the perfect way. And the heart includes your mind and your will, your thought and your behavior. Do your thoughts and behavior at home reflect God's law? Do they reflect God's righteousness? Do they reflect God's justice? Do they reflect God's mercy? You know, so often as it is, people are one way at work and school and in public and another way at home. And David says, we've got to get it right at home, first and foremost, and then continue what we are at home everywhere else. The mercy and justice of God, the worship of God, leave David to moral resolve. See, holiness belongs to God and comes from being in his presence. And this is in the gospel what God demands of us, what he gives to us. He demands us to be holy, to be righteous, and he's given us that holiness and righteousness. 
And so we need to, like David, resolve ourselves to the blameless way or to live a blameless life. And that involves living that way in our homes, living that way where no one else can see us, living that way um, uh, in front of those closest to us. And it means having integrity, not just on the outside, but on the inside, integrity of our mind, integrity of our emotions, integrity in our thoughts, etc. The second thing we see David resolve himself to is not only a resolution to live a blameless life, but a resolution to surround himself with purity. A resolution to surround himself with purity. In verse 3 he begins, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. I will not fasten its, it shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no, I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land, so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity. Notice here, David makes a resolution to surround himself with purity. Now, there's three parts to this, and that's first in verse 3 to 5. David resolves to keep himself pure by not tolerating evil. By not tolerating evil. He says he's not, his eyes are not going to look on anything wicked. The work of the apostate is not going to claim him, and a perverse heart is not going to depart from him. He resolves to surround himself with faithful people. And this will result in justice against the wicked and in vindication of the faithful. What type of people do we surround ourselves with? Now, that's not to say that we're not going to have uh, unsaved family members or we're not going to have unsaved friends. But who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with the most? Who are the people that are influencing you the most? If they're wicked or unfaithful people, it's going to have an effect on you. Notice David says here, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. The word worthless, Belial, in the Hebrew, later became a name for Satan, 2 Corinthians 6.15. David vows, I'm going to guard my eyes. I'm going to determine what I see, what I think about. As Jesus said in Luke 11.34, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your body is full of light. When your eye is bad... Your body is full of darkness. He goes on to say that he hates the work of those who fall away, literally apostatize, those who have abandoned the law, those who have abandoned God's way. And he resolves that their work will not fasten its grip on me. I'm not going to let it cleave to me. If someone comes with a perverse or a twisted heart or mind, David says, he's going to depart from me. He makes a vow. I'm not going to allow that person an influence in my life. I'm going to cut him right off. His bottom line here is this. I will not know evil. That is to know by experience. And with this vow, with this resolution, he closes his eyes to evil. He separates it from, it from the works of evil and from the workers of evil so that he can behave wisely in a perfect way. Notice as well the second part of this resolution. He resolves to keep himself pure by surrounding himself with faithful people. 
He promises to destroy the one who secretly slanders his neighbor. This resolve, this resolve enforces the ninth commandment. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. It includes those who lie in a court of law. He vows to not endure the one who has a haughty look, or literally proud eyes, or an arrogant heart. He's reflecting the attitude of God who says, the haughtiness of men will be brought low. When we surround ourselves with those who slander people, before long we're going to be slandering them as well. When we, when we surround ourselves with people who lie, before long we're going to be people who lie. When we surround ourselves with people that are haughty, soon we're going to be haughty. And arrogant, soon we're going to be arrogant. And that's why we need to resolve ourselves to keep ourselves pure by surrounding ourselves with faithful people. People that are going to influence us the right way. And he resolves here, David says, to see the, the faithful of the land in verse 6. That's what he wants to focus his eyes on. He wants to see that. He wants to see uprightness, not evil, not wickedness. As he said before, I'm not going to sit wicked things before my eyes. In other words, instead of putting something wicked in your face, put something righteous before your face. David says he's going to be built up in his, in his obedience as he surrounds himself with those of like character. You know, it's easier to be obedient when you're surrounded by obedient people than it is to be obedient when you're surrounded by wicked people. That's what he talks about when it says, he who walks in a perfect or blameless way in verse 2, and then here in the, in the uh, back part of verse 6, he says, he will minister to me. As we set righteous people or obedient people, God-fearing people before our faces, in turn they're going to minister to us because they're going to encourage us to be righteous and obedient as well. David literally staffed his court with those who embraced the same lifestyle as him. Friends, remember the old saying, you're not only known by the company you keep, but you're kept by that same company. What kind of company are you keeping, and what kind of company is keeping you? Notice the third part here of David's uh, second resolution. He resolves to keep himself pure by purging the wicked. You know, he addresses the wicked and their disposition. First, he who practices treachery or deceit will not dwell within my house. He's not going to tolerate it. He says, I'm not tolerating any Judases. I'm going to call them out for what they are. I'm going to mark them and not allow them to be an influence. Again, House, talking about his family. Second, the liar should not maintain his position before me. He's not going to be established before my eyes. In other words, once he's exposed for what he is, he's gone. You know, once somebody exposes themselves for what they are, and there's no repentance or anything, listen, again, any of us can sin. We're not, David's not establishing the fact that, hey, you know, we're looking for sinless people. There are no sinless people. There are sinners who sin without regard, and there are sinners who sin, but because God's grace, become guilty and repent of their sin. But when you have somebody who you mark out as habitually doing these things, that's the person you need to mark out and avoid and have nothing to do with, or limit as much as possible your interaction with such an individual. From a base of personal integrity in his family, David will bring just judgment. He vows early, literally morning by morning. Or literally, I'm going to start my day off early with what? Destroying, cutting off the wicked of the land. 
Now, again, we're in a different position that David is as king. David more than likely took that very literally as king, and he could. But in application for us, we have to make a decision every day of what we're going to set before our eyes, what we're going to put in our ears, what we're, who we're going to look to, who we're going to surround ourselves with. And it takes a daily commitment to say, you know what? God, by your grace, I'm going to cut off those things that are displeasing to you. I, I, I'm going to distance myself from those things which would not help me to maintain purity. And his reason here is because he wants to purify God's people. In other words, David's resolutions aren't just for himself. His resolutions extend because he wants to be an influence to others. Just as much as he wants to be influenced by the righteous, he wants to be of the righteous who influences someone else. And so as we think about resolutions, the resolution of the godly here in Psalm 101 is a resolution to live a blameless life and a resolution to surround yourself with purity. And so if you're, looking for some, if you're looking at your life and you're saying, you know, my life just isn't where I need it to be right now. My life isn't where it ought to be as a Christian. Perhaps it's because you're not living a blameless life. And I would challenge you to resolve that now. Don't wait a week from now or two weeks from now or a month from now. I would challenge you now. Resolve yourself to live a blameless life. Get rid of the things in your life that are keeping you from being blameless, that are keeping you from living righteously and justly. And, second, perhaps you're striving for a blameless life, but you're realizing, man, it's not easy. I'm struggling with it. I'm trying. I'm struggling. Well, that's where the second resolution comes in. Resolve yourself to surround yourself with purity. You need to choose to surround yourself with godly people. People who are going to encourage you to be godly. People who are going to encourage you to be righteous. And in turn, you can be the same for them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the word you've given to us here in uh, Psalm 101, Father. Uh, the, the, the resolution of the godly. Father, there's many things we can resolve ourselves to do. But first and foremost, here's two right here in our text. Resolve to live a blameless life and resolve to surround ourselves with purity. And Father, we live in the midst of a wicked and perverse world, and that's why these two resolutions are so great. Because, Father, there is so much wickedness before our eyes, it's easy for us before long to be influenced by it. And so, Lord, may we examine ourselves, and if we find ourselves lacking in, the, in a blameless lifestyle, that, Father, we would confess the things that, that, that we're involved in, and in so doing, make a new commitment, recommit ourselves to living that blameless, that holy, that righteous life that you've called us to live. And Father, if, if we've acknowledged the fact that we're struggling with that, perhaps it's because of what we're surrounded by. And so, Lord, I would ask and pray that if we find ourselves in an honest evaluation, being surrounded by and influenced by individuals, Lord, who are not helping us to grow in holiness and righteousness, that, Father, we would begin putting some distance between ourselves and them and in, in their place put individuals who are going to influence us in holiness and righteousness so that we can be pure and holy in your sight. And then, Father, help us to be the same for someone else. We pray this in your son's matchless name. Amen.